Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me for Beyond the News. This is the call where we talk about social issues, things in the news, things that are happening in our communities, just about anything we want to talk about except targeting. That's the last time you're going to hear that word (laughs) on this call. We do not talk about that because we are more than just that. We have lives. We've had other experiences, even though it doesn't seem like it, but we have. We've had other experiences, and it's okay for us to laugh. It's okay for us to talk about other things. So that's what we are going to try to do on this call. So welcome, everybody. And um, I can't get into the chat room right now, so if you're on mute, it is not intentional. I am. Oh, wait a minute. Looks like it opened. Yay, it did. My chat room opened. Okay, thank you, Lord. All right. So um, I'm going to try to commit to doing this call at least once a month and hopefully more. It's just, um, you know, it takes some time to gather interesting things to talk about. And, you know, with all the other stuff going on, it is um, kind of hard sometimes. But I, I really do enjoy talking about other things. And so I'm going to try to make an effort to find interesting articles and things around the Internet. And if you guys find anything, feel free to um, bring it to this call or email me so we'll have something to talk about when we do do the calls. So one of the things that's first and foremost is the plane that crashed in the French Alps, killing 150 people, I believe it was. And I'm sure everyone has heard about that. Um it has been said that the co-pilot intentionally um, downed the plane. He intentionally killed all those people on the plane. So I want to find that article real quick. It's on CNN. I'll put the link in the chat room. I don't know what the latest developments are, but um, let me just read some of this. Okay, the sounds recorded on one of the black boxes recovered from downed German wings flight 9525, firms up investigators' theory that the co-pilot locked the captain out of the cockpit and then crashed the plane. For God's sakes, open the door, Captain Patrick Sotomayor screamed as he banged on the cockpit door, pleading with the co-pilot. Thirteen minutes later, the plane slammed into the French Alps. The audio from the plane's cockpit voice recorder has not been released, but the German newspaper bill published Sunday um, what it claims is a summary of the transcript from the recording. Okay, and here's the report, which the newspaper says is based on the one and a half hours of audio that was on the cockpit voice recorder but cannot independently verify the information. Francis? Accident Investigations Agency, BEA, told CNN 
that the agency is dismayed by the voice recording leak to the build. Martin DeBono, a spokesperson for the agency, said the leak could not have come from a BEA agent. She says the agency considers the report mere voyeurism. According to the bill report, Sotomayor told the co-pilot, Andreas Lubis, that he didn't manage to go to the bathroom before takeoff. Lubis tell him that he can go anytime. Lubis is believed to have locked the pilot um, of Flight 2525 out of the cockpit before putting the plane on a rapid descent into the mountains, French authorities have said. The flight took off 20 minutes late. After reaching cruising altitude, Sotomayor asked Lubitz to prepare the landing. Once that's finished, Lubitz again tells the captain he can go anytime. There is the sound of a seat being pushed backwards, after which the captain says, you can take over. At 10.29 a.m., air traffic radar detects that the plane is starting to descend. Three minutes later, air traffic controllers try to contact the plane um, and receives no answer. Shortly after, when an alarm goes off in the cockpit, warning of the sink rate, Bilge reported, uh, next comes the banging. Sotomayor bangs Lubitz to let him in. Passengers then, passengers then begin to scream according to the transcript obtained by Build, Another three minutes pass, a loud metallic bang is heard at 7,000 meters, almost 23,000 feet. A minute and a half later, in 2,000 meters, about 6,500 feet, lower to the ground, an alarm says, terrain, pull up. Open the door, the pilot says. It's 1038, and the plane is 4,000 meters, or about 13,000 feet. Lubitz's breathing can still be heard on the voice recording, according to Bill's report. Two minutes later, investigators think they... ...my whole phone shut down. Really? Hello?
Okay, I apologize. Uh, I have no idea why my entire phone was shut down in the middle of me talking. How much did you guys hear? Did you guys hear me talking about the plane that went down? I heard, I heard you talking about it, but um, seemed like um, you went out in the middle of it. Okay. So basically, the bottom line is this: um, the there was a pilot and a co-pilot flying the plane. I, I don't even know the destination, but um, the pilot the the pilot had to use the restroom. He went to the restroom. The co-pilot locked him out of the cockpit and didn't let him back in. He intentionally dropped the altitude of the plane. He intentionally crashed the plane with hundred over 150 people on the plane. He did this on purpose. Um, when the investigators went to his home, they found that he had put a note, uh, threw away a note in his trash can from the doctor saying that he was not fit to fly the plane, that he should take some time off work. The last thing that I read said that they were not sure why the doctor was taking him off work. They don't know if it was psychological issues or if it was some medical issues. Whatever it was must have sent him in a tailspin, and he went on a suicide mission intentionally killing all of these people. And my thing is, you know, you definitely should not kill yourself, but if you're going to kill yourself, kill yourself. Don't kill 150 people. You know, that was just wrong. That was just really, really wrong. So, like I said, I don't know the latest, but all these innocent people were killed. They're gone. And he did it in pur- on purpose. So, that's that story. That was some real self- selfishness. That was. That was really wrong. That was I heard an analysis of the, uh, of the news just yesterday, and it was a news uh, editor or something like that on NPR, and he was saying, we call it, he said, we hesitate to call it suicide when this happens, but every time it happens, eventually they call it a suicide. And he said, he said, what it really is is a mass murder is what it is. It is. Uh, And you know what, it was, um, um, I guess murder-suicide would be um, a better word for it because, I mean, he murdered people and he killed himself, so that's the suicide part of it. But, yeah, that was a mass murder. I agree, and that was very wrong of him. Mm-hmm. Very, very wrong for him to kill those innocent people. So now they've already, uh, most airlines have already put something in place saying that there has to be, I think, two people in the cockpit at all times. Yeah. I, I was thinking maybe they should make something where the door could unlock from the outside so that that guy could have gotten back in. But I guess that's dangerous because then people could get in. I wonder why the doctor didn't contact the airlines. The right, that's what I was going to bring up too. But I mean, uh, some. I mean, I'm sure the families will go after him to sue him or her to sue them. But that's not something. That's not a standard operating procedure. You know well, what I'm saying? Because you, you do be. have. Yeah. But 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 you do have that uh, doctor client um, confidentiality too. Well, I know. I heard once. Um, you might find this interesting to you guys uh, that say a police officer. Excuse me. Goes to a department like shrink and says I've been feeling a lot of anger issues or whatever. Let's pretend there's you know some cops of conscience. I'm sure there are some out there. Not many, anyways. They go and talk about it, right. Well, it in a lot of cases, from what I heard, it's the duty of the shrink or psychiatrist, psychologist to inform somebody and like they're supposed to get taken off duty and put on desk duty. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think in some professions that that is done. 
if somebody sees a shrink, they lose their, you know, they get suspended or they get evaluation or something. But that doesn't help those people. But man. Well, and then, and then too, the um, the whole thing was no one really knows. Well, I'm sure they do at this point, but they haven't released to the public, to my knowledge, that this was a psychiatrist type doctor. Oh, I've been yeah. a doctor saying you have cancer. You know what I'm saying? It could have oh, been. Wow. We don't know. We don't know what it was. Mm. You know, we don't really know. Um, but I mean, the doctor could not have possibly foreseen this. Unless he told him he's going to do this. I, I don't know. This is crazy, though. He was he was, he was was so wrong. But according, but according to what you read, it, it said that the note said that he is not to fly a plane. So the doctor knew something. It might, it might, Charles, not to take anyone's side, of course, it might have been a neuro, neurological disorder, like, say, Parkinson's, uh-huh. early onset of Parkinson's symptoms, that he might uh-huh. be shaking a little better. Who knows? It, it could have been something Well, like you know what? I look at myself about a month ago. I couldn't walk because the arthritis in my hip was so painful and I couldn't walk. It could be something like that. He could have said, you know, your hip is so bad, you, you, you shouldn't be flying a plane because you can't. I mean, I could barely move my leg from the pedal to the brake when I would drive. So maybe he's saying that. I mean, it could have been his shoulder was out of whack. You can't, you can't do the controls. You can't But the bottom line is that the doctor wrote a note saying that, told, telling somebody he, he shouldn't be flying a plane. That's but the point, yeah. But, but normally, normally when the doctor gives you a note, they give it to you under understanding that it is your responsibility. When my doctor gave me my note, it was my responsibility to give it to my to my um, employer. You know, oh. I mean, I'm sure they're gonna I'm sure they're gonna change practices now. You know, because this is a lesson learned. But who would expect that he would? Nobody could foresee that. Hey. You know, I know he was wrong. He was very very wrong. I understood that he had a history of depression. And I do know that psychotronic drugs can turn somebody the other way. Which oh, yeah. Very... That's a fact. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what, you know, comes out about this. But I'm telling you, all this airplane stuff just makes you not want to fly. I don't want to fly because of the TSA and because you get on board a plane, everyone's looking for a terrorist, and you have at least two air marshals. I just, I don't want to fly ever again. Plus, you go through the radiation scanners and... I, I just don't want to ever again. I'm not afraid to fly. I just don't want to deal with the people. And then speaking of TSA, they have something um, where they they have some machine that will detect your facial emotions. I put it on my website. Um, will detect your facial emotions and put you on a watch list or uh, a curious person or whatever they call it if you're looking mad or, you know, this machine is supposed to pick up your emotions. They're using it already? officers 
who scrutinized travelers to look for signs of malignant, or excuse me, malintent in airport screening areas. The officers typically spend less than 30 seconds scanning an average passenger for over 90 behaviors. The TSA associates with stress, fear, or deception. When the officers perceive clusters of such behaviors in any given individual, they refer that person for secondary inspection and questioning. The SPOT program relies on theories about micro-expressions, involuntary facial expressions that supposedly fear, uh, appear excuse me, for milliseconds despite one's effort to conceal them. Behavior detection officers look for such micro-expressions while scanning passengers' faces or engaging in casual conversation with them. Okay? So if this machine and these officers feel that you have some deception going on in your mind or you're uh, you're afraid, you know, you can get called to the side and question. Sorry. I was just saying, on one of all those calls, she's talked about this a few times, I think. You could, like, uh, for example, like, uh, be mad about something in a rush. She uses an example of a lady walking in her husband cheating on her, and a lady has to take a plane, you know, to see a dying uh, relative or something like that. And so the lady's actually naturally, like, really angry. And, like, uh, of course, they'll misread it and think it might be a terrorist. It's just, it's horrible. They're doing this. It's an excuse for control. People might just be in the airport and acting all frustrated. They'll have the micro expressions or whatever because they're angry because their flight's delayed or they're angry because they're in the airport. Maybe they're not in the mood to fly. Maybe they're just scared of flying. There's, like, hundreds of reasons. And they're, they're going to use this as an excuse to give people special interrogation or put them on a list. Right, right. Like you said before, man, it's about... It's about control, okay? Yeah. I mean, yeah. now you're going to get pulled out of line, okay, and you got to explain why you looking mad. Exactly. I mean, what just, kind of, you know what, what Charles, kind of it's right out of one of those older Nazi movies where they just, like, yank somebody aside ask for your paperwork and give you the third degree. Uh, this, this is messed up. Now, why you, well, they, they, they want to know, they want you to answer why you looking a certain way, why you got an expression on your face. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's what's, a, going, what's that's, going on in your life? What's going on in your life that has you frustrated? What's going on that has you upset? You know, it's uh, the delay in the plane. You could have uh, had an argument with your spouse. You could have anything. Right, right. Uh, the, the, the cab driver could have passed you up when you were trying to get to the airport. You know, mm-hmm. anything. Wow. Okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's really, I mean, that's real control right there. Oh, yeah. Yes, you know? It is. Yes, it is. Can I say something? Go ahead, I, just found, yeah. I, found, uh, I found several articles, actually, InfoWars and um, another one, see, that says that coming soon, um, let's see, a clip from a new Discovery Channel special envisages a day in the near future when TSA will deploy mind-reading technology to catch terrorists and police will subject suspects to memory scans in order to determine guilt. Wow. They're they're right um, on the verge of putting these in the airport. You know what that means, James? The, the articles out of that means that means they've already had the technology to read people's minds in airports probably for years. When they, oh, yeah. they have something in like the news, it means like that new quote groundbreaking stuff for research. That means they've been using it for a while. I, I guarantee it. And believe me, they're not using it at airports. What? I said, believe me, they're not just using that technology. Oh, God, no, no way. Holy, that means, that means, without using a certain word, that means the whole population is being watched. 
just about. I mean, if if this is everywhere and their minds are being read and all that, it, it's, it's probably comes down to that because it keeps coming back to control. And it just, it's, wow. I have to start, I have to keep up with the news more. I didn't even know there was an air crash. I'm not kidding. Until you mentioned it, Renata. Brought it up. Yeah. Wow. That's been this, this, news. this is mind-boggling. I, yeah, no way am I going to fly ever again. Well, I mean, they want that, too. They want you to stay on the on the plantation. No, no, that's not true. I just, you know what it is? It's not just brain, brainwashing. In my case, it's just I, I literally can't stand, like, uh, the way things have gotten as far as, like I said, the, the TSA is one thing, but you go on a plane, you have loud screaming people and babies crying. And just, and again, you got the fear stuff. I, I haven't flown in about nine years or ten years because I was, you know, with my folks and all that. I mean, I had to help out and take trips. The point is, I uh, just, um, just the way things have got, it's just crazy. I'm not worried about the crashing or none of that or being, I used to have a problem like that like 20 years ago or something with the panic attacks on a plane. Now, you know, I, I've flown dozens of times after that. It's nothing. But I'm just saying, I just I just don't want to deal with the uh, the craziness now. The TSA stuff alone is just the whole thing. I mean, would well, you went to New York a while back. You've mentioned you've been to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I mean, like, did you have to go through a lot of crap yourself, or? Um, yeah, I was targeted at the airport. You know, ah. I'm used to it. I mean, I didn't have to go through um, getting any extra pat downs or anything like that. I think I chose to go through the X-ray machine. I wasn't trying to be nosy. I just I was just curious, like you know, if you had any grief is all. Cause, but this, this. I mean, I got you know, I got the following and you know the extra glares and you know Jeez. stuff like that. But um, I know uh, a couple of years before I went to New York, I had traveled with my um, with my brother and my sister. I think it was my brother and my sister and I. And my brother got pulled over, and he was he's he's kind of hot headed. So I was like, oh, my goodness, please don't let this, this man go to jail because he, he's a hot-headed kind of person. And they, they couldn't explain why they were pulling him over, but he had to go in, in the extra security area. And they, they said, I think it was that he kept beefing. I think he has gold teeth, for one thing, and he kept going off. And no matter what they did with the wand or whatever, he kept beefing. And so they made him go to this separate area where they did this extra pat down and things. It turned out well, but I was really worried for him because he he is hot-headed. He can be very hot-headed. And I was like, just comply and do what they say, you know, because these people can um, they can arrest you at the airport. They have and too then much they can power. keep you they can keep you they can hold you indefinitely, too. Really? Huh? What? I'm not ignorant. I, I indefinite detention they have the power of? Well, the NDAA Act, yeah, anybody can be held. No, I just, I know about that. I, I wasn't, you know what, Renan, I had it separate in my mind. I wasn't even thinking that they're actually using it now, but now that makes, they can use it, and they, some people probably have. I'll tell you, just, yeah. it, it blows my mind. We were just saying that, like, they're they're starting to do this in airports, read people's expressions and all that. This And these are people, and I'm not saying every TSA agent, but you hear stuff is, you know, pedophile and a sadist, but most of them aren't that intelligent. They're not that bright. So you have some really stupid people, and I don't care what training they may have, you know, like just like singling out people based on the way they look. And it could be anything caused of their anger. Or what if somebody's, like, not angry? What if they're crying or something like that? Maybe they'll say, oh, you're crying because you're going to, like, uh, try to take the plane down, or like kind of what you are talking about before. You know, I mean, like, it's not scary scary. It's not terrifying scary, but it's scary, like, upsetting that 
all these morons have so much power. And this is an example of people who want to do bad stuff for money and power. But uh, man, I, this um, is just like, you know what this is like? You guys, this is like out of one of these really bad, like, futuristic sci-fi movies. Like, where, like, you have, like, this big brother thing and, like, they, you know, no rights at all. And, like, just, it's, this is insane. I remember reading about um, a whole bunch of people are complaining that they're on, they've been put on the no-fly list. And they have no idea why. No idea why they're on the no-fly list. But they, even little kids, they, they can't fly. Kids? Anyway, moving on. Um, California assisted suicide bill gets U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein's endorsement. This is in the Huffington Post. Um, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein came out in support of California's End of Life Option Act on Tuesday in a letter written to the assisted suicide bill's author and obtained by the Huffington Post. The right to die with dignity is an option that should be available for every chronically suffering, terminally ill, consenting adult in California, she wrote. Population control. I share your concern that terminally ill California residents currently do not have an option to obtain end-of-life medication if their suffering becomes unbearable. As a result... They may uh, they may well experience terrible pain under their illnesses uh, until their illnesses have taken uh, their life naturally. The California bill is based on successful legislation in Oregon and other states, and would authorize physicians to practice uh, to practice aid in dying on terminally ill patients in the state. Patients may seek the option only if two physicians have given their prognosis of six months or less to live. If they submit a written request and make two oral requests to a physician at least 15 days apart, and if they have the mental competency to make decisions about their own health care. So what do you guys think about that? Do you guys remember Dr. Dvorkian? Yep. Um, He was helping a lot of people die. Um, I don't know if he's still in jail or even if he's still alive, but uh, he was a doctor. I can't remember which state he was in. But he was um, helping people die. He went to prison for it. Well, it was Al Pacino. killing the people. They gotta. They ought to give him the chance to die with dignity instead of being murdered by the idiot. Well, and that's what she's start? saying. She, she's saying if if these people decide that they want a doctor to assist them with dying with dignity. Um, and they are in their right frame of mind, and two doctors agree on the prognosis that the prognosis is not good, then they ought to be able to to die. If that's what uh, they want. Uh, Jack of Oregon died in 2011, and I think it was Michigan oh. he did his stuff. Oh, okay, so he's, he's gone. So I don't this know can easily turn into euthanasia. Right, and that's pretty much what it is. It's population control, too. I know it. It's That's... Man, but see, this reminds me of that um that um uh, video that y'all was talking about about a about a famous um uh, well a uh, professor or doctor or whatever, and the video was or uh, the interview was like over four hours long. Okay, and in it he was I mean running a lot of deep stuff, and one of them, one of the segments he was talking about how the time is going to come where old people are 
you know, the the release, the population of old people. Old people are going to mm-hmm. voluntarily bump themselves off, and it's going to be, and everybody's going to throw a party for them and all that type of stuff. Oh, geez, that was in the movie Soul and Green, kind of. Not, yeah. But it's close to it with Charlton Heston. Yeah. Yeah, and Edward G. Robinson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot his name. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there there are quite a few younger people come that come are, come um, the there was a young lady, I think that was last month, she had terminal cancer, I think brain cancer, and she was saying how she was in a lot of pain, and she wanted to, she wanted to die, you know, she wanted to decide the day that she went and everything. Um, so it's not just older people, it is younger people as well. Do you guys realize how how much evil, how much more evil all this stuff is about people dying earlier, earlier given the option, you know, of like assisted suicide. If, you know, considering if you guys are willing to believe, I'm sure you do to the extent that they have and are withholding a lot of cures for a lot of diseases. So these people need not die the way they are, most of them, like in the first place. Right. So that right. makes it even, yeah, that just ups evil like a hundred times. Yes, wow. it does. Mm-hmm. Say something too. I tell you what. It's exactly the same kind of thing that happened when abortion was legalized. I remember when it was not legal. When it was legalized, now we find out that more babies are aborted now just because of convenience, not because of stressful situations. It's the same thing. You know, they're going after the kids, now they're going after the older people. Planned Parenthood themselves are absolute monsters. They're not doing this to give women reproductive freedom. They're not doing this to be nice or whatever. It's all population control. I, I don't mean mm-hmm. to be a broken record, eugenics. And all the it's same true. Thing. It I mean, going, back, going back to what, uh, the example that Renata brought up about the girl who was um, um, very sick. Okay, okay. so now she, oh, she bumps herself off. So now that can save everybody a lot of all time and money and everything as far as taking care of her now. She's out of the way. Yeah, that's you know a really good point. You know what? Sorry, what? I tell you what, I, I could not, I'm not even sure how I feel about that because I believe that the Bible says that life and death is in God's hands and he makes no mistakes. When it's time for you to go, you go. And if you if you have to suffer, I mean, I'm sorry, but People suffer. You know, I'm not trying to be insensitive, no, but know. hopefully the medication and things can give you a little comfort, but I don't think you, you go a day too soon, you know, and I think that it should just happen naturally. I definitely could not be uh, one of the people that assisted. I would not be one of the people that assisted. Um, so I'm thinking about uh, Bobby Brown's daughter right now, who's been over a month now. She's still in a coma. And the doctors have been, uh, most people know the singer Bobby Brown, the doctors have been telling her there's no hope, take her off the machine, and he says no. You know, I, I believe in miracles, and I believe that God will bring her back because he said that one of his relatives uh, came out of a coma, and so he has seen it happen. I would take that approach, and I know that people say that it's expensive to keep someone on the machine, and they're not, they're not really I've got to call back. My phone is acting up. Okay. Um, people say that the person's not really there when they're in those comas because they can't breathe on their own. And I understand all of that, but I, I could, I don't think I could do it. I, I could not take one of my relatives off. I, I just couldn't do it. I, no, I was going to say something personal on that, but I it just like. And uh, I, I mean, not to knock anyone that has had to make that decision because that's a hard decision to make. I but do. if the person is going to die for sure, and there's, I'll you know screw it. I'll just say it, and I'm not. 
trying to get attention, but I mean, you know, I, I trust you out just about with my life. That's why I send you some private information, Renata. Mm-hmm. My mother's case, uh, I was a healthcare proxy, and like uh, the three arteries leading to her, uh, her intestinal tract were over or occluded or blocked. And so, like, no matter what, uh, her life not would not have been saved. The insurance would have paid for the hospital stay, but it would have been artificial, and she would just she would have been in and out. It would have just been undignified. So I signed the thing where they don't they did not kill her. No, I wouldn't put up with that, but they didn't take any emergency measures, and they made her as comfortable as possible, and I know that's what she wanted wanted. And although I'm not, you know, in the organized religion like you and I, I believe in God, and I try to be a decent moral person for the most part, but, I mean, I just couldn't let her suffer like that. And, like, because even right. if operation would kill her. So I did, like, what I knew, what I really believe was the best, and my brothers agreed. And I, I have heard people say that, and that's why I made the comment, I don't want to, not people who have had to make that very difficult decision. I know that. I've never, I have never been in that position. You know what I'm saying? So I'm saying that I would never do that based on a person who has never been faced with that. You no, know, you, know what, you never I, really I, I know just, what I you just, would do sorry. unless you're faced with such a situation. And then, too, um, what did that person desire? Like some people express their desires. They say, oh, yeah, I don't you're want right. to be. You're right. I don't ever want to be in that position. Let me go. I mean, I have told my husband the way I would prefer to go. We never really know how we're going to go. But I would prefer to be right here at home. I don't want to go in the ambulance. Lord knows what they already do to me. (laughs) Those ambulance drivers. I don't want to prefer not to be in the hospital. You know, take me from wherever right out to the cemetery. You know, so people express how they would like to go. So, I mean, it, it is nice to honor their wishes. That's at what her wishes were, not I remember now. I just blocked a lot out. Yeah, at, at one time, I, I said I wanted to um, to donate my organs, although my relatives said they would never do it. But now that I know about organ harvesting, I changed my mind on that. Uh, so make that clear. I don't want to do that anymore. But because um, I heard that they will do anything to save you when they know that you want to uh, donate your organs. I've heard that, too. It's, it's pretty terrifying. So. Yeah, I heard in China. I don't know how true this is, because you know, but I wouldn't be surprised. They actually have. You guys probably heard about. They have buses going around buses that like are going around like uh, kidnapping people and taking their organs. And I don't mean to laugh. It's just it's scary as you know what. In fact, like supposedly they they do it on a regular basis with prisoners and the illegal organ trade. Man. Just buzz out. I don't know how you get off on that stuff. Like the, 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 I read a, I read an article. I read an article about a year or so ago about a really um, nice looking um, aspiring model. He was a male, and he was from somewhere in the Midwest, some small town in the Midwest, and he um, ventured out to California to um, try modeling. He was a really handsome guy, and they found him behind a. Um, a building dead, and his mother was just devastated. Well, she was even more devastated when she found out that he didn't have not one organ in his body when they found him. So don't don't know what happened, but he had no organs in his body. Wow. So I think that the organ harvesting is real. Okay. On to to brighter things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh! let me tell you. I told you guys I had something juicy to tell you guys. Okay, let me tell you. Friday night, my husband took me to a concert. We go to concert. We used to go to concerts more, but we haven't been in a while. But 
we went to see one of our favorite artists, who is um, Charlie Wilson. Do you guys know who Charlie Wilson is? Really popular guy. He's really, really good. He sings. I can't sing. So I can't. <laughs> he sings hey, one man. song. Um, Gap huh? Man? The Gap Man? Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's on his own now. But, yes, yes, he was part of the okay. Gap Man, yes. So he sings, there goes my baby. You guys know that song? Okay, so he sings that song, and he sings, um, my name is Charlie, last name Wilson. He's very popular. Okay, good singer. So better than me. <laughs> so we're there, and um, also there was Joe, a performer named Joe, and then there was Kim. Kim is really good. Um, he sings... Uh, almost like jazz kind of stuff. But anyway, so this was, this was a good show because we were expecting this, uh, Charlie Wilson, so we were surprised when the other two were there as well. Okay, so it wasn't a sold-out crowd, but it was almost a sold-out crowd. So this um, couple, they came after we did, but they came late, and they were sitting in front of us, and they were just dancing because everybody was dancing to the music, you know, and just filling, filling the music and singing along and everything. So they're dancing, 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 and they're all over each other, lovey-dovey, hugging and kissing and dancing and taking selfies. I mean, they were overdoing it with the selfies. They were just, like, overdoing it with the selfies. So I happened to look down. They were dancing. The guy was in front of me. The lady was in front of my husband. I happened to look down. And I don't know what type of phone this guy had, but his his texts were huge. It was like writing on a piece of paper, like you could see every word. So he's getting these texts, and I swear I was minding my own business. I swear I was. I was minding my own business, singing the song, and I just happened to look down. So these texts are coming through. Hey, baby, what you doing? You coming over tonight? I miss you. And then they're sending these emoticons, I guess what they call them, with these kissy kissy lips and hearts and all of this stuff. So I'm saying to myself, huh, well, that's cute. They're texting each other, sitting next to each other. So I look over, and she's still dancing. So it wasn't her. And they were saying all this inappropriate stuff, because I'm thinking, well, maybe that's his mother or his daughter. But no, all this very inappropriate stuff. And I could just see it just clear. And he glanced over at her. She's still dancing, so he's still texting. And I said, this dirty dog, he is cheating. <laughs> so I told my husband, I said, what is a girl to do with this information? Now, I just, what am I supposed to do with this information? But, of course, I didn't say anything because I don't know her and I don't know him. But I was like, this dirty little damn dog. And then so when my husband and I were discussing, we were like, well, which one is the side chick? Was it the side chick on the phone or was it the was the one he brought the side chick? I don't know, but I know he was cheating. And I wanted to tell her. I really, really, really wanted to tell her, but I couldn't. So that's my juicy information. And then I have my own Dirty Dog um, concert story, too. This was many, many, many years ago before I even knew my husband. I was uh, probably in my early 20s. This guy, I didn't even know the guy liked me. I really didn't. But back in those days, my brother was, like, very, very, very popular, and he had to go through him to date any of his sisters. So apparently this guy had went to my brother and told my brother that he liked me and he wanted to take me to dinner, and my brother told him, yeah, you could, you know, you could. Now, me and this guy, we were a perfect match because he was awkward, I was awkward, he was short, I was tall. I mean, we were perfect. We were perfect. 
Everything was going well. So he was like, I knew he had broke up with this his baby's mother. I knew that. So he invited me to a concert, and I was so excited. He gave me the tickets. The tickets were in my house. About an hour before the concert, he came and took the tickets back and took her to the concert. What a dog. So my girlfriend came and got me. She was like, you are not going to be in the dump who's going to the concert. So we got to the window. We bought tickets, and actually they were really good tickets. We bought it the last minute. And guess who was sitting right next to us? Him and wow. <laughs> So that's my, that's my dirty dog concert story. So I'm like, maybe I should stay away from concerts. <laughs> the dogs go to concerts, the dogs. And what concert was it? That I went to back then, it was uh, yeah. Frankie Beverly and Mays. Uh-huh. <laughs> Beverly and Mays, and Frankie Beverly puts on a concert. He puts on a good concert. I just wish hmm. he make some some update songs. But, yes, he puts on a really, really good concert. And I remember that everyone was in the aisle um, dancing, and uh, the ushers were telling everybody to sit down because you couldn't be in the aisle. So Frankie Beverly said, stop the music, give everybody their money back, because we came here to party. And if you don't let people dance, then I want everybody to get a refund. And, of course, they didn't let people get a refund. So everybody just danced. It was fun. I used to work for um, Bass, Bass Ticketmaster, so I would get all the tickets. Mm. I used to go to a lot, a lot, a lot of concerts. And let me see, who was my very favorite? I'd have to say the person who put on the best show that I've ever seen was um, Luther Vandross. And Charlie Wilson, the one that I just went to see, he's a very close second, very close second. And the reason why I say um, Luther Vandross is because um, he really gave you a show. He changed his clothes about four or five times. He set up the stage. He um, he acknowledged the back background singers. He said the background singers, just because they're in the background doesn't mean they can't sing. And he let each one of them see. He was, he was a very good show person. There's a difference between just going out on stage. You know, he put on the show, and his voice was good. He didn't need – there are some performers, they don't sound good without the studio effects. Luther Vandross could sing. Well, uh, I say, I say okay, my favorite is um, between Cool and the Gang and um, 83. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cool in the Gang in '83, and and the Isley Brothers when it was all six of them. I saw them in Madison Square Garden when it was all six. The young bro- the younger brothers did the music while the older brothers did the singing. Oh, they mm. turned it out. They turned it out. I yeah. love the Isley Brothers. Mm. Yeah, they're good. Who else did I, I saw Rick James. Rick James, oh, my goodness. He was smoking the biggest joint. Like, it could have popped all body and tie. I am serious. That joint was so long. I'm like, is it real? I mean, you can smell it everywhere. He was something. He's from he was Buffalo. Something. I saw him and Tina Marie together. I saw them together. Yeah, he's from Buffalo. He's from upstate New York, yeah. Buffalo, okay. I'm sorry, you guys, but I think of Dave Chappelle every time I hear the name Rick James, so. I know, I know. He did a good impersonation. James was 
Charlie Murphy. Who else have I seen? Patty LaBelle. Patty LaBelle puts on a good show, too. I mean, we thought Patty LaBelle was off the stage, and she was still in her dressing room singing. <laughs> we could hear her out there. <laughs> her shoes off, threw, threw her shoes in the audience. Um, she was she was good, too. The best time to go to concerts is, um, like, when they do those summer festivals because you get a bunch of performers. <clears throat> Oh. You know, and just sit out, sit out, and enjoy the weather. Anyway, yeah. I hope that dirty dog gets busted. That cheater at the concert, I hope he gets busted. <laughs> <laughs> that, that really bothered me. I'm like, oh my goodness. I should tell her. No, I shouldn't. I should tell her. No, I shouldn't. I went back and forth. <laughs> <sighs> my I mean, if it really bothered you, if it really bothered you, you just. Bump up to him, he'll drop the phone, and then you pick it up or say, oh, I'm sorry, and, you know, make believe you passing it, but you pass it to her. Right. Oh, yeah. No, you know what I said? I said I should have took a picture of his screen, and then I would have had proof. Yeah. (laughs) No no need of telling her without proof. Some people get a kick out of... uh, Getting being in a place where they might get caught, they they get a, some kind of adrenaline rush from that. Hmm. You ever hear like that? voyeurism type stuff, huh? Yeah, I guess. But you were saying you was asking, um, which one is she? The the girl on the side? No, she she's the main woman, okay? Because she she got taken to the concert. You don't take the side girl to a concert. Oh, you don't take the side chick? No, you know what? You're right. Because too many people could catch you. Like some of her, your main chick relatives could be there, right? Or friends. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Take her to a that movie or crazy. something, but no. Nah. Uh, take her to a movie with five towns away. Right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> can't, can't take her to the movie in your town. Oh, my goodness. I was like, oh, wow. So who's been cheated on? No one's been cheated on before. I have. I have. You have. And I have. And I have, yes. Everybody has, huh? How'd you guys catch them? (laughs) Um, Pictures. Some pictures that I was not supposed to see. In person. You caught them in person? Yeah. Yeah. Did you break up? That was years ago, you know. Did you break up with them and stay broken up? I divorced him, yeah. I divorced him. I did. I broke up. Yeah. Yeah, you can't be with anybody after they do that. No, that's like they're treating you like a fool. If you stay with them, you really are a fool. Mm. Well, yeah. You know, you can't trust them. Now they broke your trust, you know. Yeah, but you know what? You'd be surprised how many people take them back, and then they do it again, and then they take them back, and they do it again. So, look, if if someone saw, okay, if someone saw your partner with with someone else, would you want them to tell you? Mm-hmm. I would. Big problem is I've been through it. Yeah. yeah. And it wouldn't be that I would confront them because so-and-so told me. I would be very observant. 
It's really a sticky situation, though, because I, I told someone way back in the day, I saw her boyfriend at uh, Fisherman's Wharf with someone, and it was clear that they were, I mean, they were hugged up. They were holding hands. And I thought we didn't have cell phones back then, or I sure would have taken pictures. But I told her, and she got back with them, and then they both were mad at me. He told her, don't talk to me. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> True. Mm. So, you know, so it's really tricky. Oh, see, now I don't Alicia, care because Alicia's I would rather not. Alicia's conscience was clear. Right. Because how could, you be, how, could you how could you be hanging around them and you knowing that? You knowing that. Right. Because if your girlfriend finds out that you knew and you didn't tell her. Right. You know, right. I mean, I would want somebody to tell me. I sure would. Yeah. <laughs> they probably weren't together very long. No, they weren't. Hmm. He really, she, she was actually much more into him than he was into her. He was really using her for money, really. Yeah, that seems to be the going issue. That's what I remember my last one, so I divorced him too. Cheater. I don't know why I Cheater. find these kinds, or they find me, I don't know. But I believe it's because we're good-hearted people, and they take advantage of us. I never understood what's the point of getting in a relationship if you don't want it to be monogamous. I mean, in this day and age, you could just clearly say, you know, I'm not committed to you, but, uh, you know, I just want to be your friend. If they say, quote, unquote, friend, you know, you don't even have to commit these days, but people do it, and then they cheat. You know, that's I something I never you. understood either. That's something yeah, I never I understood it. either about about especially about marriage. Okay, is that I mean, I mean I've actually seen. I mean, bride and groom. I mean they get married, and the, and the groom is check, checking out the females at the reception. Isn't that terrible? I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, checking out the females at the reception, okay? I mean, really, it's a, what, the, what the hell you got married for? Right. True. I, I knew someone who caught her husband cheating because, um, and that, that's the thing about women. Women really observe, just so you men know. We really got <laughs> And she said that she would notice when he would come home because she would pack his lunch. And when he would come home from work, he would never bring his lunch pail in the house. So one day she said, there's something going on with that lunch pail. So she went out there. There were pictures. There was uh, no, no, I was like, he's so dumb. Like, to not to realize that she was going to notice that you never bring this lunch pail in the house. Mm. And she, I mean, she found all the evidence she needed in that lunch pail. Mm. And she got rid of him, too. She did divorce him. <laughs> he was a cheater. Okay, so here's something. I used to love Dear Abby. I don't know if you guys read Dear Abby, but I used to love Dear Abby. So here's something tied right into what we're talking about. This is on Dear Abby. Um, my boyfriend, Ron, and I have been together for more than a year, and we now live together. His garage is full to overflowing with his ex-girlfriend's belongings. She apparently left him and all her stuff, including her four cats, to marry some guy she met online. She no longer lives in this country. I'm fine with taking care of the cats. They are innocent, and I love them. However, I want her stuff out of the garage. 
Ron thinks it's the right thing to do to keep it until she can arrange for it to be moved to her new place. And then she goes on to say it's been a year and a half, and the lady hasn't come back and got her stuff yet. So um, he's holding on to that because he wants the memories, huh? Yeah. That's too long. Too long. To hold on to his ex-girlfriend's belongings. He's hoping she comes back to look for it, probably. Hmm. Renata, did you tell us what that juicy information was yet? Yes, you missed it, girl. I just finished. You want to hear? You want to hear it again, Nancy? What part was it? When I was at the concert over the weekend. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Did you hear it? Yeah, I heard it. I didn't know if that was, okay. you know, what you were talking about. That was juicy. The guy was cheating. <laughs> I saw all the text messages. I had all the information. I just needed to figure out how to pass it on to the girlfriend or the wife. That could have been his wife. I don't know who it was. But I didn't say anything. It could have just been a bird move. Nah. Uh-uh. He was cheating. You don't think so? It, oh, okay. No, because how was he perfect me, letting me see him cheating? No. Uh-uh. No. I hear you. He was cheating. Yeah. He was cheating, a cheating dog. Right. Well, I know we were dating, too, that he was doing this. In other words, were they dating a few weeks for like a year? Did he, you know, start doing this cheating on her? What did you say, Scott? So I just I was wondering how long of a time period they had been together before the guy started cheating on her. Was it a week or two? Was it a few months, a year? And, like, you know what, if, like, you have, like, all these opportunities, like, to date other women, just get out of the relationship. Don't pull that crap on somebody. But people think with their hormones, and they just, without getting, you know, a whole, like, you know, spiel in my rant kind of thing, uh, people's morals are, like, worse than they've ever been. So I guess, yeah. you know, yeah, Charles, like, I, I've I've been out of the loop for a long time and given our situation, you know, my situation, I like I said before, I'm, I'm not going to date again. and I, I refuse. I'd rather be alone, and I'm not lonely. But anyways, I can't believe the stuff people pull on each other. I've been out of the loop for a long time. It's just, it's just crazy. I mean, like people are just what they do to each other. I mean, you've always had bad people, dirty dogs, as you call them. But wow, they're free for all, and they text each other. I read about people like uh, on a date, you know, text each other at the table, or friends and all that. They're sitting across from each other, at dinner date or so. Just, I was born in the wrong century. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a common thing now. I know it's 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 messed up, and just I want nothing yeah. to do with it. I agree with you. Get out of the relationship, and then go out and do whatever you want. Don't stay and you know what? Find, and play with find, their feelings, or find someone who accepts that. Because I'm telling you, everything is acceptable now. There are people who know that the man is with someone else, or the woman is with someone else, and there are people who will accept that. So find mm-hmm. one of those people. Don't don't do that to innocent people. Yeah. True. They want to. They want to have their cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. People think about their own needs before others. I'm not trying to sound holier than I. I haven't been an angel my whole life, but you know, in comparison to other people, well, the, the point is, is people think about their own needs first, and not just men. Some women are kind of cold blooded too. So it's just like, uh, yeah, these are crazy times. I mean, like you know, 
relationships were never perfect. But in fact, I remember like last time I checked the divorce rate, it had to be like eight or nine years ago. It was like fifty percent or something like that. I don't even know what it is now. I, I'm afraid to like think about it. You know, what, like sixty percent, seventy percent of people getting divorced now. I mean, like how many people are cheating on each other, say compared to ten years ago? I, I don't know. You talk about this stuff. I just wonder about the statistics and all that. And if you can't well, along, that's another yeah. thing that was it. Oh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me for cutting you off. You know, if you can't get along, just split up. I mean, why stay and make each other miserable? That's true. Life's hard enough as it is. And that's another thing about the um, about the that video interview about that that guy that uh, that y'all brought up that I saw. Okay, he was saying about how marriage and families and stuff like that is going to be like fading away. The society mm-hmm. is setting a, setting a pace where families and stuff like that and marriage and all that is being faded away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that. They try to break up the family. They try to encourage people to like for alternative lifestyles. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying they want people like to be separate. They want them to be alone. They just, it's really messed up. I, I read that. I read that about the um, the women's live movement. That that whole movement was created to to keep fam- keep women from wanting to get married. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. To kind of make them hate men, you know, and not want children and all that kind of stuff. It's true, sadly enough. Part of it was supposedly to get women to pay taxes, but the main thing was to break up the family. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, they were getting ready to bring in gay rights, though, too. Mm-hmm. I have nothing yeah. against that, but that's just another thing to break up the family. Anything mm-hmm. you do, including yeah. putting stuff in food to, like, uh, uh, what do you call it, make more males be born or something like that, and uh, decrease female fertility. And it's so insidious. You guys ever hear of bisphenol? Bisphenol A, it's called. Like, you ever buy, like, a container, like it says no bis BPA? That's a hormone. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a chemical that causes guys to have less testosterone or it's something like that. I don't want to pretend I know what I'm talking about on that. But yeah, but that's much, true. Yeah, there are actually a whole bunch of chemicals out there. Um, they Let me get this straight, basically. They mess up the testosterone and progesterone and the estrogen and whatever. So it won't just affect, like, uh, this generation, but, like, a child in the womb, and depending on the chemical, and, like, future generations, and it'll ch- cause people to basically change their sexual preference. And, again, I'm not judging and none of that, but I'm saying this is intentional, and the Rockefellers had a lot to do with it, but the major companies, like Dow Chemical, and I'm trying to remember, like, some of the major pharmaceuticals. Monsanto is another Thank you, yes, yes. Yeah. But it, it's all, it's all to, like, uh, basically it's another form of population control. It's it's so insidious, so when Renata's mentioned about other things, how we have to learn about everything, just, you know, just want to read up on stuff, you're curious, everything comes into play, because you know, breaking up like family and like uh, just like uh, driving people apart, and they're doing it chemically, they're doing it behaviorally, like through TV and uh, movies mm-hmm. and all that. So mm-hmm. we're being attacked on about everything, like you know, about who we are as people, as individuals, on all fronts. So the standards are lower than ever. People's standards in general, like like the concert thing, it's just messed up. I mean, mm-hmm. like people used to get yeah, people used to talk to each other more face to face and all that, right? And so right. on and so forth. It's just so. You know, everywhere you look, it's, you can see the hand of, like, whoever's, like, doing all this stuff, the people in charge. But, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty scary. I watched, I sent some of you guys, like, the thing. I, I think I sent you, Charles, and Renata. And you I, think I'm afraid of you. 
It's a really good video okay. about how they're using chemicals to mess um, up the uh, birth rates. And, like, you can literally, like, uh, change the sex of, like, um, in some cases. Uh, yeah, something that you I'm have, like, more males anything. or females born. But it's really, really messed up what they're doing with chemicals. And, oh, yeah, yeah. and personal care products and birth control pills and, and other stuff. Um, it literally, like, it, it can affect your hormone levels. So you got to be really careful what you eat and drink and what you wear even. It's unbelievable. Ignorance really can be blessed, I'll tell you. And the secret ingredients that they put on our food that they they don't no longer have to let us know what's in it. That's another big issue too. Yeah, you know what the genetically modified foods in Europe they're labeled from I heard, but in the US they tried to push that in California, Renato would Renato would not be there. Well, you just read the paper, and the proposition didn't go through. It was like two or three years ago, I think. It was on the voting thing in California referendum for the public to vote on. And what happened was, like, Monsanto was supposed to spend tens of millions or 20 or something million seeing how safe GM foods or GMO foods are. And um, yeah. it's like it didn't go through. And now in New York State, where I am, they're trying to, like, pass another a law like that. And it ain't going to happen. And, like, you know, people, like, are up, uh, like, jumping up and down all happy because marijuana was legalized in Colorado and some other states. Big deal. Because for every, like, little good thing, it seems it happens. Like, a lot of, all this bad stuff is going on. And, I mean, like, uh, I, I I don't eat as much as I could. In fact, Renata, one of the things you mentioned on a different call was how, like, they intentionally, like, uh, you read it from somebody, they make, like, healthier foods more expensive. Because, in other words, yeah. like, they're non-GMO. It'll say Project Non-GMO. That's a big thing you see. And it's supposedly certified non genetically modified. I'm not sure I'm monopolized call. I'm just saying like uh you really it's like a minefield, like what you uh, brush your teeth with, with the water you drink, uh, everything. You gotta just be so careful. Like I my toothpaste doesn't have fluoride. I just try to like be careful, but I mean like you know, you can't avoid everything. But it's make crazy. your own toothpaste. You can make your own toothpaste. Yeah. Oh, you can use baking soda. Baking soda works. Mm-hmm. Baking soda, coconut oil, a little bit of mint oil, if you can use that. And, like, uh, i even been trying some real nasty lately. It's using, you know, the spiced turmeric. It, it like, it's an yeah. antibacterial, and I, like, rinse with it and all that. And it's, like, really, you get used to it. But, I mean, yeah. like, um, there's even another thing. I don't know if it affects enamel. I read about this. Using baking soda, apple cider vinegar, and turmeric. And, like, uh, it's like the volcano, like, suppose you did as a kid. You put the baking soda in your mouth. It's real gross, but you, you drink a little bit of apple cider vinegar in your rinse, and, like, some of the stuff comes out the foam. It's gross. So you do it all over a sink oh, or yeah. something. But, I mean, like, your teeth feel, like, so clean afterwards, and you want to rinse out with water because the enamel and the apple cider vinegar is like lemon juice. can eat away at it. But, I mean, there's, like, the fluoride. Like, I'm going to see the dentist Tuesday, and I'm going to bring my own toothpaste and see, like, you know, when they do the cleaning. And see if, like, I get, like, a lot of mouth and, like, grief or, like, because I, I just want to keep away from fluoride. But, I mean, fluoride yeah, is one of, like. Not a bad thing. Hmm? I said it's not a bad thing to stay away from it. Okay, no. I'm going to just stay away from the fluoride. Okay. Um, yeah, well. The next period. Okay, so this was uh, CNN. Uh, let's see. The Brutally Honest Series. Kelly Wallace takes on provocative parenting questions. Only a few states have laws setting a minimum age on when a child can be left home alone. Um, I can't remember exactly how old I was when my mom did the article. When my mom went away for a night and left my older sister and me home alone. What I remember clearly, though, is, uh, is the talking to I received when my mom returned home 
and learned from our next-door neighbor that my sister and I had a party which involved alcohol. I'm so disappointed in you. My mother would say over and over again when we were crushing words for a perfectionist straight-A student who vowed never to let that happen again. So the question is, what age is okay to leave your teen home alone overnight? And what if something happens or something goes wrong when you do? Have, were you guys ever left at home? I I had so many siblings. I was never alone alone. We were all ways together. But we didn't throw any kind of parties or anything like that. We did smoke weed in the house, though, a couple times. We got caught, too. And it wasn't good when we got caught. <laughs> I think but, teenagers should never be left at home. <laughs> yeah. It depends on the maturity of the individual. It just really depends. I mean, a lot of people are very mature and responsible when they're teenagers. Some aren't. I think left home is different from leaving them overnight. If you're going, I mean, if I go to the store, the grocery store, I leave my children at home. You know, that's not a big deal for my children because they're, you know, they're responsible, like Nancy's saying. But overnight, that's a different story. Yeah, a lot can happen. That's a totally different story. Especially I've heard they have these uh, directed energy weapons that they can actually aim on a home and cause it to burn to make it look like okay. it was an explosion or it was a thing. So you got to be thinking of that, too. I hope people think of that. Okay, we can't talk about that stuff, though. So Sorry, I just found out about that, too. <laughs> A week ago. But, I mean, that would have to go with leaving your kids at home, you know. Yeah. Anything could happen. Anything. I don't know. I don't think I'd leave them home alone at night. No, not overnight. Not overnight. And what about what about these people that go on vacation and they, um, they hire people from the hotel to watch their children while they go out? I guess I'm just so overprotected. I can't see things like that. You're in a totally different place, country, city, state, whatever, and you hire. Well, I guess the people have been checked out because they work for the hotel, but I, I can't see it. I don't know about that because there was a thing on incident years ago when I had TV where, I don't know if any of you remember, she hired a babysitter, while, but this was while she worked, and she had one of those cameras that she could, play back when she got home from work and the lady was hitting their, her little baby the one she was watching with a wooden spoon. Oh, yeah, big saw thing that. about that. Yeah. So you can't even trust one of those places that check out their so-called hired sitters and that either. That's true. Especially before your child could talk. I remember my, my kids were very close to me when they couldn't talk. Yeah. You know, they can't tell you what's going on. Okay. Um, last week I read an article, and it wasn't a very interesting article, but it made me think about something. And basically the article talked about genetics and how um, people uh, related to each other have certain traits and features of their parents and how their behaviors are very much like um, um, how genetics can make you very much like one of your relatives, act like them, look like them, have mannerisms like them. So I was just yeah. wondering, 
do you guys remind yourselves of your parents or uh, some of the things they would say? Because I know some of the things I used to hate to hear my mom say, I say to my children now. Um, <laughs> and do you look like them? Do you say that you have mannerisms like your parents or anything Physically like that? Physically and mentally like a version of my dad. Uh, like uh, I'm not kidding. A lot. Really? Yeah, I have a lot of his uh, behaviors, his mannerisms. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's something you learn. And even, like, a lot of the way he thought, too. I mean, I just, because I've gotten to the point where I'm pretty objective. So, yeah, and mm-hmm. it's too much on my mom's side. But my dad, yeah, awful lot like him. That's interesting. Hmm. Anyone else? Nah. My mother, I, 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 uh, my mother um, is a very strong person. She's very strong, mentally strong. She went through a lot in her life, and she's really strong, and she has a lot of wisdom. So I, I hope that I hope to get those traits from her. I do, because she's she's a very wise lady, and a lot of the things that she used to say, I would hate. To hear. <laughs> Didn't want to hear it, but I say those same things to my children. I got I got some characteristics of uh, you know like my pops, but basically. Today my pops is different as day and night. Even though I look, I, I grew up look amazingly like him though. Oh, you do? Yeah, but basically we're different as day and night. So the things you didn't like in him, you see in yourself now. Um, Did you like that? Things I didn't like in him, I see in myself. No, no, that, that's what I'm saying. It's different. We're different as day and night, basically. Me and my pops. Yeah. But there's some there's some characteristics that are similar, though. Very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I get angry, I, you know, I, I guess I act the same way and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. I, um,. With my dad, my real father, I was raised with my stepfather, my um, siblings have more of his traits, I think. I look like some of his family members, but my father was really extremely good-natured. Not to say that I'm not good-natured, because I believe I am, but he had a lot of humor. I'm more on the serious side. He Nothing was serious with my father, nothing. Everything, life was just one big joke. And life was just one big party. I mean, he didn't take anything serious. And that really irritated me. He didn't take anything serious. Nothing at all. Was he Bill Crosby? Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but my uh, my siblings are really good-natured like him. I have a couple of siblings that really have his personality. They laugh a lot. And um, they're the life of the party. And they have a lot of friends, you know, like that. Just very, very sociable. That's how my dad was very, my dad was so sociable. He would throw a picnic for the entire city. He was just a really sociable person. And um, I'm totally opposite. I got my mother's traits on that side. (laughs) But he was a good guy. He was a good guy. Well, that's important. Yeah. He's deceased now, but he was a good guy. Okay, another CNN article. Is the be a man stereotype hurting boys? Um, 
That's what so many of us are asking after Jalen Freiberg, a popular freshman, opened fire on classmates during lunch at Marysville High School. Um, the shooting left two girls dead and three other students injured, including two of Freiberg's cousins, one of whom remains in critical condition. Freiberg died after turning the gun on himself. We typically assume that school shooters fit the narrative of a loner struggling to fit in, ostracized, and bullied by his peers. But by all accounts, Freiberg was well was a well-liked member of the football team who planned to try out for wrestling, too, and who was recently named the school's freshman homecoming prince. So what made him snap? Uh, we don't know and may never know, but as reports come in that Freiberg might have been dealing with the breakup or anger that a girl he liked rebuffed him and was with his cousin. We have asked ourselves whether we are doing enough to help our boys deal with difficult emotions and express them without resorting to violence. Freiberger's team was using social media to express some of his pain he appeared to be feeling. Um, Tell me what your plan is, he wrote on Twitter at the end of August. You can't make a bond with anyone like the bond me and you have right now. Tell me what you're going to do. He went on to say, you're going to piss me off, and then some expensive is going to go down, and I don't think he'd like that. Days before the shooting, he wrote, it breaks me. It actually does. Um, I know it seems like I'm sweating it off, but I'm not, and I will never be able to. Let me see. Basically, they're saying is that um, – it was like an ego thing and how mm-hmm. um, people raise boys to be macho and uh, and not really being able to handle rejection, basically. So he was being rejected. You know, I can't even handle it. I can I also know that girls can be very catty and heartless at that time, too. I was one, you know, and and I know that she she had no idea, you know, that that kind of thing was going to happen, but she might have been just done it in a very cruel way. I don't know about that, but it also I was thinking she may have seen something in him that made her make sure she needed to get away from him. It it was mm-hmm. his relationship thing. He just um, he just couldn't handle being rejected. And everybody needs to get used to that. <laughs> you know, that's why. Yeah. And that's what's sad. That's why I hate to see um, young kids get in relationships and be so serious. You know, like they're supposed to, in my opinion, when you're young, you're supposed to date somebody and break up. I mean, everybody's going to have their first heartbreak. That's just inevitable if you're, you know, dating. But I, I hate to see them when they're so serious. You know, they're like 14 and 15, and this is the one I'm going to marry. And you know what I mean? Like, that's too yeah. deep, too young. Right, right. But I, it's that I don't time, like to see that. You can't see, you can't see tomorrow, much less, you know, years from now, when you're going to forget about that girl or that guy. You just think today is today, and this is life, and that's all there is. It's just so hard this to is, see. This, yeah, you really do think that that's the one you're going to be with for the rest of your life. You cannot imagine ever meeting anyone else. And, you know, <laughs> I think we've all been there. 
Yeah. Okay. So this was on um, in San Francisco newspaper, and it was a story about um, a lady who was 100 years old, and they were asking her her um, her secrets for longevity. And she said, and she looks really good. You guys have to see the picture. Um, she looks probably about maybe 60, early 60s to me. Mm-hmm. But she said she really doesn't have any secrets. She said um, she uses the pond cold cream <laughs> on her face every day. Um, she was asking her. She was asking her if she ever had any face work done because she looked so good. She's like, nope, I just use Pond's cold cream every day. And she said that she eats very small portions of food, mainly chicken and fish and vegetables. And she stays active, and her main ingredient is to stay positive and stay around people. That's what she said. So um, she looks really good. She's she's not on a cane or anything. She looks really good. Um, so do you guys have longevity in your family? We, my family, we typically go to, like, the, well, I guess not really, because my latest relatives that passed, they were in their early 60s, and that's young. Well, you can add some years to that because we live in, you know, uh, the statistics are uh, going up with that. I was thinking of the pond cold cream. Well, I re- you you probably don't remember when Marianne Mobley was Miss America, but she lived, she grew up across the street from my aunt, and I remember we paid attention to her, and I remember her saying that she used, do you use any fancy stuff? And she said, no, I just use Bond's cold cream. So I've been using that for years and years and years. <laughs> but I need well, to keep take using it. it. <laughs> What'd you say? I'm sorry. What'd keep, you say? keep using it. Keep using it because I'm I telling you, that lady looks good. I think the wisest thing she said was eat small meals, you know, and I have a tendency to overdo that. So that's, that's another a detriment. Anyway, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, she's a very pretty, very pretty, very classy lady. Okay, what else do I have? Okay, there was another article talking about the different cars. The, they were showing the old school classic cars, and I was wondering what were you what were you guys' most memorable cars? They they showed a picture of a '65 Pontiac GTO, a Mercury station wagon, a '66 Oldsmobile, a '65 uh, Ford Galaxy. I remember my uncle was so serious about, um, well, my brother was serious about Cadillac, and my uncle was serious about uh, Mustang. That's what yeah. and Harley. He had some beautiful Mustangs. I love those. They were they were like, you know, they weren't as expensive as the Thunderbird, but they were they were just so much more uh, <laughs> neat. I love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really pretty, and they're worth a lot of money now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, if I flashback, if I do a flashback to the seventies, okay, my teenage to early twenties, okay, I just, I just love that that Trans Am with that, oh, with that, yeah. yeah, with the Phoenix on the hood. That's <laughs> oh man, I just love. They don't make Trans Ams anymore, do they? No. 
Oh. I used to love those, love to look see those cars, man. Yo, shit. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I remember those. Now that you mention it. Yeah, with treaties on the hood. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my mom had a duster. She had a green duster. Do you guys remember dusters? Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't know how to describe those. She had a duster. I don't. I don't. I don't think they make any cars that look similar to those anymore. But we also had a station wagon. We still talk about that green station wagon. The um the seat was facing the road. And we all used to fight about who was going to sit in that seat. Do you guys remember those station wagons where the one seat was turned towards the back? Uh-huh. Yeah, man. Y'all don't remember? Remember <laughs> that? Down, the back seat. Yeah, I remember. Down. I remember. Yeah, when you let it up, the seat faced the window, the back window. It was cool to ride back. I don't make those anymore. Those were the days. There were so many of us. That's why we had to. Have, we always had a station wagon. No, station okay. wagons is minivans now. That's true. That's true. Um, instead of the minivans, because the minivans went out then, but they had the the vans. You guys remember the van? And they had like the the little kitchen on the inside and. The... Oh yeah, I had a custom van. Yeah, okay. custom van. Mm-hmm. I had a custom van. Yeah, that was my. Oh, shoot. I had a lot of fun in it, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um the people that had uh, the, owned the corner store where I live, they had one, and we thought they were filthy rich because nobody else had one. And a couple times they let us in there, and I mean, they had carpet on the floor, and they had little seats and um a little sink in there and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. You want to go back way back? If you, if you want to go way back. And I've heard that it's still one of the classic cars of all time. I used to date in a 57 Chevy. And that was wow. one of a really, a really good year, I think, something like that. But they were pretty. Like, now, see, when I when I hear 57 Chevy, that reminds me of the... Um, uh, what did they call those places where you would drive up and they would come out and take your order? I, I never would have Oh, car hop. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be a car hop. I've always wanted to be a car hop. And I was like, oh, they always were friendly and they had a good time. And, you know, I thought, that's neat, you know? Um, yeah. They knew that. Do that. Is that what they called them? They called them car hops? Yeah. 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 When you go into the food drive-in and you pull up an order and they come out, some of them back in the 50s, they were on roller skates. Yes. Yeah, I saw pictures of that. That's so cool. So do you guys remember the drive-in movies? No, I remember that. Yeah. We had that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and bench seats in the front seat. I mean, that was the way to date. You know, you don't have any bucket seats like you have now. I remember it, but I never went to one. <laughs> oh, wow. Drive-in is so cool. They still have one around here. It's about two hours away. But they have one. Yeah. And um, I think the last time I went was like three years ago. We sat our lawn chairs out and sat outside. It was cool. The drive-ins were fun. They were fun. They really, you could see all the movies because all the other screens, whichever one you paid for, there were other movies going on around you, so you could see those too. No, I, I, 
comment that you make me feel old seeing all this because I'm 52 yet. I'll be right. 52, and I remember last time I was at a drive I was like 7 or 8. I can remember it vividly. Wow. How time passes. <laughs> I know. All this modern stuff is no fun. <laughs> no, it's not. But people think it is. Wow. It's just, wow. Yeah. Not my thing. Well, you don't really appreciate the error that you're in until it leaves, you know? Right. It's true. And, like, you know, I mean, I was thinking the other day how I saw these uh, two kids playing outside, and I'm like, you don't see that anymore. You don't see kids playing, at least here, you don't see kids playing outside very rarely. No, not like they used to. Mm-mm. We used to have some good old fashioned fun. I remember we used to roller skate. Um, they would uh, block the park off, Golden Gate Park, which is a huge park. They would block parts of it off, and uh, there'd be roller skating in the streets on Sunday, and we would do that every Sunday. It was so much fun. Oh, that's yeah. neat. Yeah, but that was the four-wheel skates. I wouldn't know how to skate on <laughs> the skates they have now, but it was fun. And you have kids wearing, like, a suit of armor almost, like the helmets and the pads everywhere, and they have their purpose. But you know what? I mean, I, I'm trying to protect people. I'm getting in on one of my rants. I'm just saying – it's, kids have never been so well protected and never been sicker and weaker. Like kids, used, we used to like, I don't know about you, I mean, like, you know, used to get dirty and cut and all this and that. And, you know, some kids would even eat dirt. And one of the point is, like, you know, kids are so protected now. You know, a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of them are, like, you know, so coddled and spoiled. I mean, they're just, it's not, it's not going to help them. It's not helping them. That's true. I never was a person like uh, into like cars much. I mean, when I was younger, I wanted a TR7 or a DeLorean, like from Back to the Future. But as I got older, I just got you know like more practical about cars. Don't get me wrong; they're cool, but I was never a car person. Everyone's different. But the times have changed really fast. I mean, really, really, really fast. It's almost like literally future shock for some people. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I think they're pushing us that way with this technology they're using on us, too. You know, that makes sense because if you look at it, like, oh, so much of this technology, the purpose is serving, it's, sorry, I had gum in my mouth, serving a lot of purposes. One is to separate people from each other because you see it's like, you know, even though it's supposed to be bringing people closer, they've never been more alienated because of all this high-tech crap. Another thing is the high wavelength. Just forget the human, not just the human brain, any animal's brain, any animal is not meant to be subject to, like, uh, what is it, millions of wavelengths of a second, or, you know, James thought he could explain it better, maybe you know Renata, but, like, the cell phones, the landline phones, and all we're surrounded by, all the Wi-Fi crap in general, it's it's a product of all this high tech, and we're not meant to be around it. And, like, um, it's just messed up. It just, uh... No, like there's a Chinese saying. I don't know how what it means exactly, but maybe cursed to be, maybe cursed to be born into interesting times. Oh, give me some boring times. Take me in a time machine away from this stuff. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, Charles, are you there? I'm here. Charles? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot you said you wanted to talk about something. Go right ahead. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, did anybody see the um, new, um recent episode of John Oliver that be on um HBO? No, I haven't. 
You know, it's a I British did. guy with glasses. It, uh, it kind of like reminds you of um, what's that? The Corbett Report. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, James I, I, Corbett's now Canadian, living in uh, Japan. He like he's he's one of the more believable truthers. He has uh, citations for all the information. Really good stuff. Are you going to know? Who's this? Scott. Oh no, no, you're talking about James Corbett. No, I'm talking about the not the Corbett report. What uh, the Corbett report? Oh, Stephen Colbert, that punk. Right, yeah. right, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, well, I, I, anyway, they got a guy on. Um, they got a guy on um, HBO, kind of. I mean, kind of like reminds you of him, right? It shows sort sort of like an invitation to him. Anyway, this segment that was on his recent show, he showed that. Um, um, but he was making jokes out of it, but still, it got us. I mean, it got a, a lot of seriousness to it. Is that um, um, how certain a certain city in the United States? I forgot which where, but um, they actually when they have people um, do a violation like a traffic violation and all that, and they go to court and they got to pay fines and all that. All right. Now they got agents. Huh? They got Go agents. Yeah, they got agencies. They got they now hired agencies to do the collection. And the and the and the way they collect it is okay, nothing goes towards the fine, but they keep collecting the money so much the people actually go bankrupt and a lot of them enter into a sort of like debtor's prison. Because the debtor's prison is coming back. Oh, speaking of that, I think it's Ohio that's bringing back the um, the firing squad. You guys hear about that? That was on your stop the targeting set. I didn't read it though. Yeah, Ohio mm-hmm. is bringing back firing squads, which is Ohio or Utah. Is it, I, well, I, I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember which state. Um, That's yes, firing squads for uh, for uh, death row um, people. Oh. In other words, mm-hmm. they'll stand them in front of a firing squad. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I that is. That's barbaric. It is question, barbaric. Question, are they doing that because of the failure of that drug? Somebody, somebody took a long, long time to die not long ago somewhere. They may be trying to figure out another way to do it. I don't know. They do it out of but that's ridiculous. I, I don't. I may not have been strong enough to death. Death. Yeah, well, I, I think. I think capital punishment itself is ridiculous. Uh, is about it parent. is. A lot of innocent people have gone to death and have died in like uh, capital punishment, and it's been hmm. proven because of that DNA database, like they use now and then to like exonerate, you know, prove no guilty, whatever, no guilt. Right. So it's like. Uh, right. It's like so many innocent people have literally gone to death row, and a ton of them you guys, a ton of them you guys probably know already under George Bush, this Bush the second, whatever, baby Bush, whatever. It's like a baby Bush, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the whole system's messed up. You know what? Given our situation, without talking about something in particular, real quick, we all know like a lot of like people that are criminals or murderers are running around free. And yeah. just, anyways, all that aside, that's that's you know yeah. Lethal injection, I've heard now and then, there's like, it goes wrong, and the person suffers, and there's agony, horrible stuff. But you know what? I mean, as bad as capital punishment is, 
you're going to kill somebody that way, lethal injection is a lot more merciful than a firing squad. It, it is barbaric. Why don't you shoot yourself if you want to? Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. Please, James. Well, you can shoot yourself if you're in in prison, James. You can't. Oh, I was. I was. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't commit suicide. Okay, because if you commit suicide when you're on death row, they'll be, they'll take you, heal you back up, so they can kill you themselves. True. And that's okay, that's yeah. Not many of them are really innocent that they're putting, you know, on death row too. That's it. That's it, and that's the thing. That's that's the thing that makes um the capital punishment bad, because if you kill an innocent person, I mean, uh, okay, and you find out later on what you're going to do, dig them up and say I'm sorry. And you know what I mean, they say? Well, they say that, that the families, they say the families never get closure anyway. You know what I mean? No. Right, right. Still, it'll never bring your relative back who was murdered or whatever. And I just think that capital punishment is wrong. Who died and made them God? Now, granted, some people have done some horrible things. Um, right. Maybe they should be given hard labor for the rest of their lives or something. But capital punishment, no. One of the worst I don't believe in it. I don't either. One of the worst things about you guys is that, and I don't care how, well, I know how this sounds. It's the truth. Is most of these rich SOBs that murder get away with capital punishment. They get away with it because they're rich. You can afford the best lawyers. And that's wrong. Murder is murder. A criminal is a criminal. But and when they go, do go to prison, it's usually a federal prison. Or they'll be sent to a psychiatric institution and they'll get the, like probably like a nice treatment. So it's wrong on so many levels. And then you have to be fair across the board. I mean, yeah. without bringing up a specific thing, but, you know, there are a lot of people in power doing some horrible things, and they go right. punished. I was going to say that right. you got war criminals. you got Henry Kissinger, uh, Dick Cheney, every president. you got Eric Holder, technically, he's a war criminal with, the op- well, Operation Fast and Furious, important guns are like, uh, you know, Mexico to try to start crime, wars, crime. In other words, most po- a lot of politicians and generals and all, you got all kinds of, like, war criminals and just, like, crimes against humanity in general. And they laugh at like, uh, there's one or two countries, or at least one country, where they have a supposed warrant out against Bush and Cheney and or Henry Kissinger. And, like, um, it's a joke to these guys and some women because they're so used to wielding all this power, they're literally untouchable. They have the armies protecting them. They have all kinds of thugs protecting them. So, because, you know, money makes everything go around and power. But, yeah, you, you want to talk about, like, uh, people really, like, that are actual murderers to get away with it. You see them every day on the news. Wearing nice suits, living great lives of millionaires and billionaires, and like uh, people that hardly do anything. Like your three strikes law alone is insane. I don't think they just have it in California. Maybe they do. We're not. You know better. You know there, but this boy, you steal a pack of gum the third time, you go to jail for life. These laws are unfair and they don't make any sense. They don't. Right. Okay. And another aspect. Another aspect of this law. The thing about the John Oliver show is that um, the thing at the segment that I was talking about is that how um, municipal um, agencies, city and state and all that, okay, is more and more putting the thing, uh, putting their functions into the hands of private corporations. Okay? Now, 
And, and you know private corporations, their thing is, yo, they're going to make a profit. It's about profit, okay, and stuff like that. So, I mean, really, I mean, when when some things come to the city and state like that, okay, it should stay that way, okay? And never never go and never um, um, hand that over to, hand that function over to a, a private agency. Never. Supposedly some police forces are being phased out. Doctors' jobs are threatened because it's becoming more corporate. Prison complex, prison complex is coming, becoming private. Prison complexes are becoming private. Hospitals are coming private. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, these plans have been in place for a long time, decades. All this has been, all this is planned. I mean, decades and decades ahead of time. Taking the country apart little by little, by family, by making people sick physically, mentally, everything, by like consolidating stuff. Because you used to have a simple example of a mom and pop drugstore, and they got Walgreens, Rite Aid, CVS, these other pharmacies. Now you got big box stores taking over, and it's not good. It's not a great thing. Walmart, Target, Kmart, well, not Kmart as much, but I mean, it's just horrible. It's the same basic thing with the media. You know, the media used to be owned by a few hundred people, then a few like a uh, dozen, now like. Three corporations own all of the media. And that includes a lot of the internet, I'm sure, too. On a happier note, somebody should say something positive. So just, uh, I don't know, you start thinking about this stuff and it really, like, you know, it's one slap in the face after another. All the injustice in this world. Okay, um, I'm going to move on. I just have a couple more things and I'm going to go and cook my dinner. Um, okay. So this was an article about horrible neighbors. I think we've all experienced horrible neighbors. <laughs> um, here's, here's a few things. One person said we had we had a downstairs neighbor who complained constantly about us walking around, no matter what time of day. It was an old building with hardwood floors. We called the landlord to mediate, and the husband recommended that we tiptoe 24-7. When we told him that we would be willing to put down area rugs, but uh, but that we would not tiptoe around in our own home, he threatened to shoot us. Oh, now that's a horrible neighbor. Um, okay, another person said they had two kids. They were absolute. They were absolute brats. Moved about six people into their garage. Played loud music all night. Stayed up all night. Sold drugs and had cars come in and out all night long. Would knock on our door really, really early in the morning, wanted to bum cigarettes, pop, the phone, a ride, anything at all. Let their kids come into our yard and destroy things. The kids would throw trash and bottles in our yards and broken glass. Kept us up all night long. Finally, they got kicked out um, and they left owing $1,000 to the landlord and had roaches so bad that it was unreal. They were the neighbors from hell. Okay, and then one more said we had uh, very bad luck living on nice streets with one mentally ill person on them. Um, They can change the character. uh, One mentally ill person can change the character of the whole neighborhood and make everyone else live in fear of what they will do. Currently, we have one near us who wears binoculars and looks at all the neighbors, hides behind bushes, and takes photos of everyone and has a camera in his house 
and mounted on his trees, taking videos of the whole neighborhood. He flags down and questions anyone visiting the neighborhood, um, repair people or friends, and grills them about why they are there. It is very unpleasant to live under these circumstances, and while the neighborhood says he is harmless, who knows what he does with the pictures and videos he captures of all of us. Despite his paranoia, he is very slick, making sure he does not trespass. He also loves to turn people in for all manners of minor infractions, such as not having your garage car um, facing the right way, parking a little crooked, etc. <laughs> he sounds like a piece of work. For some reason, when I read that, it reminded me of that guy who um, killed uh, Trayvon Martin. Oh. The neighborhood watch guy. I don't know why. I didn't. I never heard stories of him doing stuff like this. But for some reason, his picture came to my mind. But when I read, also when I read this, and they talked about how this guy takes pictures and looks through windows and things. When I was really young, and we lived in Kansas City, we had a peeping tom, and he would he walked with a limp, and he would peep in people's houses, and we were always told, you know, to let our parents know if he peeped in our house. But I don't remember him actually peeping. I think one of my sisters said that he peeped in the window. Um, but, yeah, we had a peeping time back then. You yeah, guys that was bad about name? the biggest thing back then, too, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> it was what? About the biggest thing happening back then. I mean, we didn't hear about not. any other stuff, you know, but it was always a peeping time in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've had the neighbors, you know, that are loud, you know, do the noise campaign, the music, the parking in the park, in your parking space, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember we had, when we lived in an apartment, we had a, um, everyone had their own parking stall, and uh, we always parked in ours, you know, even though we had two cars, we only had one parking stall, but we parked the other one on the street, and one of the neighbors her family would come over a lot and take our parking space. And we would go and say, you know, your dad's in our parking space. And she, oh, yeah, that's my father. You know, like, you know, it's okay because it's your father, you know. And when we would make them leave, she'd get so mad. And I'm like, that is so rude of her. Mm -hmm. But that that neighbor stuff can can get bad. Mm -hmm. It can get bad. It's best to just be at peace with the neighbors. Okay, and then I have one last thing. Nobody has comments on that one. Let's see, what was my last? That would be impossible in my case. What would be impossible? Be a peeping time because we're under 24-7 without using the T word. Oh, the peeping Tom thing? I'm assuming that. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, in other words, for certain people to do even a minor crime, they would be caught right away because they're under constant surveillance. I think that's oh, true. James, man. I'm just guessing. That's true. Well, you know what? What did James What did James say would be impossible? What you were talking about, I think. He didn't say specifically. I'm just guessing right now. James, like, uh-huh. what do you mean? Oh. Okay. All righty. 
So the last thing was, and I'll let you guys go up to this, was um, annoying human habits. Some of the things that made the list was eating noisily, slurping up noodles, gulping drinks, crunching on corn of the car. Uh, another annoying habit was um, bringing more than 10 items in the express lane at the grocery store. I'm guilty of that because I don't even read the sign half the time. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I had more than 10 items. Um, calling the kid princess. I don't know what's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that. Um, but I guess it gets on someone's nerves. Uh, charging into a crowded train before passengers get on. And the same goes for pushing your way into an elevator before uh, others have stepped on. Yeah, that's rude. Um, RSVPing, saying yes, that you're going to show up to something and then you don't show up. Talking in a movie theater. Oh, I'm so guilty of that. I am so guilty of that. <laughs> I have a question I'm going to ask, and my kids get so annoyed because I ask questions. Who is that? What they say? I miss that. They get so annoyed by that. Um, and I text in the movies, and I use my phone. I do all that rude stuff in the movies, and then I go to sleep. <laughs> I'm guilty of bad movie um, etiquette. I am. If my phone rings, I certainly will answer it. Um, let's see. Munching um loudly on popcorn. Oh, here I am. And sending a text <laughs> and selling to turn off the ringer. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Um, and they say peeing all over the toilet seat and not cleaning it up. That's rude. Nasty. Um, walking cluelessly around the street. While checking out email on the phone, I'm guilty of that. Um, riding the bike in the middle of the road and ignoring the traffic rule. Leaving dirty dishes in the sink, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I'm guilty of almost <laughs> everything right here. Oh, using super annoying words. Um, awesomeness. Unless you're 12 years old. <laughs> That's what this article said. Um, kicking the back of an airplane seat. Failing to scoop up your dog poop. That is rude. I I, I do get my dog poop up. Um, leaving a shopping cart in the middle of a parking space. I see that all the time. That's unintentional for me. Um, driving slow in the fast lane. Pushing a bulky baby stroller in the middle of the sidewalk, texting at the dinner table, guilty. Um, talking endlessly about mild ailments, returning an empty carton to the fridge. That is so rude. Um, <laughs> sharing everything on Facebook. That's dumb. People do that. All right. And some other things, um, chewing with your mouth open, smacking, slurping, burping, spitting, licking, uh, sipping loudly, laughing loudly, walking on the left, and staring and singing in public. Those are some annoyances that people have. Yeah, I just want to add any to the list, or did it cover everything? Yeah, a few weeks ago at the library, a lady was cutting her nails at the table, one of the tables. <laughs> just cutting, nails. Just cutting her, her her fingernails. 
Yeah, not her toenails, but her fingernails. Yeah, her fingernails. It was just the clipper, you know, it was all sound in the library. All you could hear was the clipper and the sound of the nails falling on the table. And she's just like, <laughs> like nothing going on. Like not a big deal. Oh, that's funny. So that's annoying. Let me see. That wouldn't annoy me, but that's that that is rude though. Especially if she's leaving her uh, fingernails on a table. That is rude. And then you got I don't know if you left them on there, I didn't watch that long, but I said, What the then like uh actually I thought one just now possibly like parents that let their kids I'm talking about not infants like kids like five, six or whatever, seven or up, you know, act out and scream around when they and they could just like tie them down a little bit. I'm saying on purpose, they just let the kids go off like it's a dog or something like that. Screaming and running around like that's rude. Yeah. I've seen people be very uh, verbally abusive to their children in public, and that's very annoying to me. Actually, you know what? Speaking of verbally abusive, like, actually, people are like, and I'm guilty of this too, I should say, but people that swear a lot in public, that offends a lot of people. I guess, like, mm-hmm. you want to get technical people that, like, too much affection on in public is maybe a little embarrassing. I'm not just talking about kissing. I'm talking about, like, crazy stuff. Um, I know. It's like, get a room. Exactly. That's that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. And, like, uh, yeah, you see some weird stuff. Like, you name most of the stuff. I can, a lot of, actually, a lot of bodily functions people do in public, people picking their nose behind the wheel of a car, that's really gross. I saw a guy do that a couple of weeks ago. You know, to stop, <laughs> just like, you know, what am I going to do, honk and like, you know, make a face, just, wow. I don't you know what I think? What? You know what I think I do that annoys people? Huh. I drive the speed limit. And I, I notice that really annoys people. <laughs> I drive the speed limit. It's oh, it does. You want to go five, at least five miles faster. <laughs> I, dr- I drive the speed limit. I drive like a little old lady. And I am fine with it. I'm like, if you're in a rush, you go around, go around. There's several lanes here. I don't care. That's how I drive. It annoys my husband to no end. He's like, see that? I'm like, no, this is how I drive. I drive the speed limit. I do. And that is very, very annoying to people. (laughs) It is. Yeah, I could see how. No, I'm saying because, you know what I mean, just everyone's usually going faster than the speed limit. Unless there's a cop car parked alongside the road, then they speed up after they see the car ways down. But yeah, so you know, in my case, like I got, I've done some rude stuff behind the wheel, other than my fingers sometimes because people push me a little. But like uh, last a few days ago, like a car was going super, super slow in a 40 mile zone. They're going like 25, and I literally was honking the horn for about 20 seconds. I just kept on. It just annoyed them. They finally pulled to the right. So that was kind of rude, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Boy, talk about rude! Woo, you guys in um, New York, uh, you guys. Well, New Yorkers are horrible. In fact, Buffalo, New York, it really is a sad city because they see uh, the city of uh, good neighbors and friendly people. Like it's the only city where people help each other out. Say like when there's a blizzard. No, uh, Buffalo people, and I'm not just like saying this uh, to be bitter. Buffalo people are really rude, crude, low life, bad manners, nasty. This is a really, really cruddy city. I'm not complaining. I'm just being honest. It really, it's it's horrible. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't live in New York City if I was a billionaire, not for free. I mean, whatever. I just, I couldn't imagine living there. I couldn't. I think I think New York invented rude. I'm sorry, and I'm not trying to be rude by saying that, but I was, I was flabbergasted. I was just flabbergasted. 
how the people were when I went there. They give you commands. Get over here. Sit over there. Walk over there. I mean, I have never been commanded so much in my life. Yeah, it's, that's that's not a way to live. Like, and they're in your space. Talk about personal space. They're really in your space out there. Yeah, that's that's something like really it affects all kinds of people. Like when people are like literally invade your personal space, you know, you just that's too much. You know, it, it, it's beyond rude. In fact, I was checking out a line of this uh, going to grocery store about two months ago. And he had three employees that just had a service as automatic checkout because they don't like talking to people much. And, mm-hmm. you know, in Buffalo, anyways, you know, the automatic checkout machine, they had a service that and they were literally like one and a half feet behind me. And I just politely but firmly said, like, could you guys move back a little? You're crowding me. And, you know, they uh-huh. just, you know, they're cool about it. But I just can't stand that. That's, that's rude as hell. I, I, I feel so bad for people to ride on crowded subways. I don't know if Charles, I don't know if you're still on the line. Oh, people have to go through that. I mean, just I just I like my space. Well, you are in the wrong place to like your space, cause whew, it just seems like the culture out there is well, kind of New York, well, Buffalo, Buffalo has a lot of people, but it's not as bad as say New York City. Well, you know, it depends how you look at it. I mean, there's at least like a lot of cool, fun things to do in New York City. Buffalo, New York is ugh. it's like the toilet of the Northeast. It's horrible. But uh, some of the things you read on the list, I never heard of before. That's that's a riot. But uh, you got some rude people. Uh, Actually, another one is just people talking really loud, period. And they don't have a hearing problem. They just, like, scream and real loud, just, like, rude. They don't need a hearing aid or nothing. Just, like, loud. You know, a restaurant or wherever you are. Just, I can't stand that. Yeah, some people are loud. They're just loud by nature. Well, all right, you guys. I guess I will cook my dinner and get ready for tomorrow. Um, so I'm gonna let you guys go. Have a um a good week. Oh, you know what? Um, I think Easter is Sunday coming, right? Um, yes. Next yeah. Sunday. So. Yeah. So okay. So as it stands now, I won't be doing the first call unless because I haven't planned out my day yet. Um, so you guys can just check if you if you want, just check to see if I'm there. And I will send out an invitation if I am there, but as it stands now, I probably won't do a call. And normally when I do a substitute call on a Monday or something, not many people show up. So I won't even probably do that. Um but anyway, have a great Easter, everybody. You too, and I have a wonderful have Easter. A good Easter too. You Thank too. you. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys soon. You guys all take care. Okay. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.